Welcome back to Second and Short. It is May 3rd, 2023. NFL draft come and gone. Got plenty of stuff to talk about in the NFL because for some reason a bunch of news decided to come out during, throughout, you know, whatever of the NFL drafts. But we got to talk a little bit more drafts because it's not just about the first round, especially not in this year's draft. Tons of guys drafted late, but still got to, uh, Talk MLB as well. Pitch it with the normal MLB recap. And our first team of the month, which this one will be, you know, March and April. And then uh, we'll get out of here. Brought in Colin as the guest host today. Colin, how are you doing today? It's a great day to have a day. Okay. Yeah, that works. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. You ready? Let's go. All right, big news, breaking news. It's not breaking news at all, but Roger Goodell could be in his last year as the NFL commissioner, but will most likely get an extension to train the future NFL commissioner. So, um, yeah, let's start. Uh, let's, let's pop bottles. Roger Goodell is on the way out. Yeah, the only thing scarier than Roger Goodell leaving is him training the future. NFL commissioner, in my opinion. I just don't want a Roger Goodell Jr. leading us. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, if they pick the right guy, he just won't listen to him. Yeah, let's hope because, I mean, early, the early Roger Goodell, fantastic, I believe. But it's, it's just stretch. Hey, I'm not going to complain. No problems back then. But now, we're just seeing we're going down Mount Everest on how fast it's declining. Yeah, it, it's been bad, especially the last couple of years. Uh, you you know he can't go a draft without getting booed. Uh, everything has been horrible for Roger Goodell, and it just seems like everybody's kind of tired of his shit at this point. So it, it just makes sense that you know his time has kind of come to an end because he's been around for a while. I can't quite remember what year he started, but you know it seems like you know, for at least recent memory, he has been the NFL commissioner. Um, and I, I wouldn't say, I don't even know how to word it. Like I wouldn't say he's been a bad commissioner. It just seems like the things that have happened while he was the commissioner have been bad. Yeah. Like, like I said, like early memory of Roger Goodell being – the commissioner, I didn't have a problem with. There weren't a lot of problems in the league and happening outside the league. But as we said, it's just been going downhill. So I think everybody's like excited to see the future uh, NFL commissioner uh, and just see what's in store for the NFL because we definitely are excited to see what's next. Yeah, hopefully some things will change because I know it's a, it's a big player's problem. A lot of the players just have problems with Roger Goodell, which kind of turned the fans on him. But, you know, if we can find a replacement that's a little bit better, maybe more of a, a, a player's first commissioner, then uh, I think it'll smooth over well. But let's talk about this. Um, it looks like the NFL schedule is coming out May 11th now that, you know, the draft has come and gone and a lot of the free agency and trade guys uh, throughout the offseason have landed in their spots. What is a matchup, you know, before these schedules come out that you want to see this year in prime time? You know, 
I want to see Packers Jets. Mm. I want to see. see that. I want to see that matchup. Yeah, I, I think storylines wise, it's a great matchup. Otherwise, I, I would say that the Jets are just going to beat the living shit out of them. Hey, if Jordan, if, if Love's got something to prove, it's got to be that game. That's true. I think the the matchup I would like to see is Jets Ravens. Okay, yeah, I like that, especially with uh, Lamar staying. Got him a couple wide receivers. Definitely spice things up. Also, just watching Jets Bills twice this year is going to be awesome. Yeah, dude, I saw, I saw something that had the Bills projected to go like nine and eight this year. It could happen. And to see them at the bottom of the NFL playoffs is crazy to think of with how much potential that team, or not even potential, with how good they are. Yeah, like they've already got good things going, and they just continue to build on it. It just seems like they're not addressing the things that are always the problem. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see, but I I think – I think we both had some good ideas there for some matchups, but another kind of league-wide news, the Commanders, it uh, looks like their sale continues to move forward. Uh, looks like the Josh Harris bid uh, is regarded by the NFL as the final deal, so uh, it looks like Steve Apostolopoulos, or whatever the hell that Canadian guy's name is, um, looks like he's out of it. But Josh Harris, uh, owner of the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers, looks to expand his empire. Okay, little little three-sport guy. I like it. Yeah, I think, you know, the 76ers and the Devils, honestly, are, are interesting franchises because they don't have the best history of winning, especially <laughs> recently. But yeah, still two very big franchises, especially in the Northeast, and you know, kind of expanding south with the Commanders. Yeah, like... Uh... The 76ers, they might not win, like, the chip and all, but they're in contention every year. They've got got this year's MVP. Exactly. Um, The the Devils, I'm not really too familiar with. I'm more of a Florida Panthers guy. But, uh, hey, they're bringing home the, uh, the Stanley Cup this year, baby. Why are you a Florida Panthers fan? There's two teams that are closer. Three teams. Have you ever seen a Florida Panthers game? No. All right, then don't question it. I've never spent more than like 30 minutes in Miami. Okay. That's your fault. Okay. I'm more of a lightning guy. Yeah, sounds a little bandwagonish, but uh, uh what? <laughs> I at least have family ties to Tampa. Yeah, I got family ties to Miami. Okay, whatever. All right, all right. We're moving on. This is probably, uh, I don't know, Alzheimer's. Um, Jared Jones said that the ship has not sailed on Ezekiel Elliott. That's ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, I think he's lost his mind. You should let him go, bro. He's already gone. That's the thing. (laughs) Out of the mind, bro. Yeah, that's true. I know he's already gone, but he needs to be like an ex girlfriend and just. Out of the past. Yeah, you can't say that. All right, next. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was that was brutal, man. That All right, that's why it. we're gonna move on. All right, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, the fourth, right? He's the fourth. Yeah, yeah, fourth. Uh, said that he's excited to work with Sean McVay. Uh, in quotes, said, "I hear he's a genius." I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not. Uh, you know, how much is Stetson Bennett really going to be working with Sean McVay? Who knows? Can Stafford's arm stay connected to his body? We'll see. But I, I don't. I, I think that the Rams got an interesting opportunity here with Stetson. I did not see him going in the fourth round. It's kind of crazy. I figured he was a five, six, maybe seven. No, I mean, I had him in third or fourth, so he went about the time that I thought he was going to go, and I think L.A. is a perfect spot for him. Honestly, yeah. I really I really do. Yeah, he gets to sit behind you know, a dog as well as just a veteran NFL quarterback, Super Bowl winner. Like, It's the kind of guy that you want to be behind, but the question is, is Stafford going to be healthy enough for him to even mentor Stetson? Well, we're you're gonna see Stetson Bennett start a game this year. I wouldn't doubt it. We saw who was the guy? Was it Josh Johnson? Did he start a game for them? Or no, that was for the Forty no, Niners. Yeah, um, um, I'm blanking like on Baker Mayfield did in um, uh, John Wolford or whatever. Yeah, Wolford, that was his name. Yeah, but there was another guy like super late in the year. I can't remember his name though. Perkins. Yeah, yeah. Perky Rice Perkins, maybe. Yeah, that's his name. So yeah, maybe we will see Stetson. I I you know hope for Matthew Stafford that we don't see Stetson Bennett, but we we could like actually see Stetson Bennett starting the NFL game next year. Yeah, that's uh, that's Scary. a bad thought. But <laughs> for uh, I I'm really hoping Matthew Stafford can put together a solid season just because it's hard to root against against him you want to see him succeed yeah as well as Aaron Donald like another guy that we want to see on the field and Cooper Cup like they have a lot of guys that are easy to root for yeah but I don't know we'll we'll see what the Rams have in store because you know obviously last year did not go to plan you know all three of those guys that we just talked about all got injured now, you know, a few guys have left since – a lot of guys have left since the Super Bowl, but just in the offseason, some guys have left. And the guys that were there last year really didn't look too good. So I, I don't I don't have very high expectations for L.A., but they could definitely surprise me. Be a little sleeper team. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this because I think this is kind of petty. Uh, Peter Schrager said on NFL Network that there's some executives around the league – that are getting annoyed with how much praise Eagles GM Howie Roseman is getting. Just do better then. Stop being a bitch. Do better than Howie Roseman, and people would talk good about you. Yeah. I hate Peter Schrager, man. I can't stand listening to him on Good Morning Football. What? I like Peter Schrager. Nah, dude. He he is so annoying. But, uh, I mean, are you annoyed with how much... Praise Howie Roseman's getting? No, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I was about to say, the Eagles had an amazing, amazing draft. Yeah, and just outside of that, like they've had a pretty solid offseason. You you know, you know, give Jalen Hurts this huge extension. Uh, you know, Throughout the draft, they made the trade for DeAndre Swift, which I think is a pretty good trade. I don't think you know 
He's obviously not a, a top running back, but I think he'll fit this system very well. And I think the amount of guys they were able to bring back following last year, you know, with Bradbury and Darius Slay, like numerous guys that certainly could have left, chose not to. I think that they've done a great job, and a lot of that credit goes to Howie Roseman. Yeah, well, he got uh, Rashad Penny too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to have Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift lined up in the backfield? Yeah, and, and actually it's a perfect segue to talk about those two guys because it, it looks like Howie Roseman knows what he's doing with those two pickups because among running backs with at least 50 carries last season, Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift ranked first and sixth respectively in yards per carry. And he got them both. Yeah. So we can expect to see that same kind of you know pretty balanced offense between running and passing. But with the yards per carry numbers from those two, I really like that paired with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Yeah, dude, that offense is going to be terrifying. Oh, yeah. Absolutely elite. And we've got some interesting news here. So free agent and former Titans left tackle Taylor Lewan, also co-host of Bustin' with the Boys, has filed a lawsuit alleging that the doctors and entities who did his ACL surgery in 2020 did it incorrectly. That's a big statement. Yeah, and obviously, like, we haven't seen him be healthy, you know, at all. Like, to come back from that ACL injury... And then he fails a drug test and kind of just in an attempt to get back on the field quicker and then has to sit out of the season, comes back, plays a couple of games, doesn't look too good, and then gets hurt again. Like It, it seems like obviously something went wrong because, it, yes, ACL injuries you know are lasting, but he had a lot of time to come back from it. And then immediately gets hurt again. Like it's it's very surprising. Yeah, and I've always loved Taylor Lewan. He's a phenomenal player on, but especially off the field, the amount of stuff he does for uh, the community Tennessee is phenomenal. So for him to really come at his doctors means that they definitely did something wrong. So I don't blame him for trying to get that money, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the fact that it has, you know, essentially derailed his entire career because up till this ACL injury, he was one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. And, you know, like I, I believe he was a first round draft pick, a, a very high first round draft pick as well out of Michigan. Like the guy was highly touted and ACL injury happens and it seems like we haven't seen him at all. And, you know, if, there was, you know, some some foul play. Allegedly, it happened, but that would be it's so fucked up to see because um, he he's not the first guy that's done this, and the fact that this happens is even crazier. Yeah, it's I don't understand it. Um, it's just one of those things you can't put you can't wrap your uh, brain around. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, but some good news here, uh, the Broncos decided to pick up Jerry Judy's fifth-year option. So after all of the trade rumors from this offseason, it looks like they're you know, working towards keeping him with the team, building something for the future. 
what do you think about this? How, how do you feel about Jerry Judy's future with the Broncos? I definitely didn't see it, especially with them keeping Cortland Sutton. I for sure thought one of them were, one of them was going to go, but to see that they picked up Jerry Judy's fifth year option really did surprise me. But just because they picked up the fifth year option, I don't see him being a Bronco for his whole career. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I have a feeling that they'll try and reach an extension, but I don't know how much he really wants to be there. It, it, between him and Cortland Sutton, kind of both being you know rumored in trades throughout you know pr- before the trade deadline and then in the off season as well, it, it seems like neither of them really want to be there, or maybe the Broncos don't really want you know one of them to be there, but. It seems like a very weird situation with those two. At this point, it seems like the only person who wants to be in Denver is Sean Payton. Yeah. He's definitely enjoying himself. I'll say that. <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll we'll see. I dude, imagine Jerry Judy going to Philly. Oh, dude, it would be ridiculous. Just a team full of Bama boys and dogs. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That would be an interesting wide receiver room. Yeah, that I don't know. That'd be fun to watch, though. Oh, well, definitely. It'd be fun to watch them win every single game. No, they would still lose to the Bears. Yeah, or the Commanders. Colts. <laughs> Hey man, don't don't underrate Anthony Richardson. But let's talk about Jordan Love because the Packers made an interesting move here. So they agreed to a one-year extension with Jordan Love rather than picking up his fifth-year option. So the extension's worth $22.5 million and it includes $13 million guaranteed, whereas his fifth-year option would have been worth $2 million less, but it would have been fully guaranteed. So the Packers kind of make a, a, a move that's good for both sides because they're kind of covering their asses here by lowering the guaranteed money, but giving him the possibility of making more money if he does play well, which would then you know earn him a bigger extension. Yeah, I, I really like that, and I, I wish a lot of more teams would do that because making, they're making the player earn that money, and that's something I really like to see instead of just the big dollars flying out and then they're being satisfied and not really playing their full potential in my opinion yeah I, I think that's a great point because you know a lot of teams if you don't pick up that fifth year option for you know a, a rookie deal then you might be screwing yourself because if they have a really good year and then you know they start getting offers in the offseason because they're a free agent maybe they're going to be like well you guys didn't pick up that fifth year option and then i showed you why you should have i'm leaving yeah i definitely Definitely agree, but congrats to Jordan Love. I'm 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 really excited to see what he can uh, actually show now with uh, Aaron Rodgers being gone. Yeah, and I think that the Packers are trying to give him as much as he needs to be successful. So it's really just up to him. Yeah, he's going to be relying on Robert Tunyon a lot this year. Robert Tunyon's gone. Is he really? Yeah. When did that happen? Free agency. Oh, <laughs> shit, my bad. 
but he still does have other guys to rely on, of course. Um, you know, between Christian Watson and you know his two running backs, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, he's got a lot of stuff to help him out there. Fair enough. All right, let's talk a little bit of uh, I guess TV deal news. So, uh, some updated statistics show that Super Bowl this year was the most watched telecast ever, beating out the 2015 Super Bowl between the Pats and Seahawks. This is interesting because uh, I believe it started in, could be wrong on this year, I want to say it was either 2021 or like 2019. Sometime in there is when the, um, blanking on the name of the company that does all of the TV statistics, but uh, it's when they started counting uh, media, like streaming services uh, as actual viewership. And it's very weird that months after they just added 2 million to the Super Bowl because originally they were sitting around like 13.6 million, I believe, uh, which had it third all time. And now adding these 2 million months after it already happened. And now it's in first. Hmm. Little suspicious. It is a little weird. But dude, I'm I'm even with that, I'm surprised it beat out the 2015 Super Bowl because that's that's that was one of my one of my favorite Super Bowls to watch. Yeah, it was a fantastic Super Bowl. And you know, third place now that was just ahead of this this year's Super Bowl was one that we didn't like to watch, which was 2017. Oh no, we're not we're not gonna go in about that. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather talk about why Marshawn Lynch didn't run the ball. Yeah, it's much more fun to talk about than twenty-eight to three. Man, why you gotta bring it up? I, I just to. said don't. I just said don't bring it up. Okay, well then we'll move on. NFL Network is back on Xfinity Cable. Just it, it was less than twenty-four hours that the channel just went off air. Um, it displayed something saying that like the there's no longer a contract agreement or whatever, um, and. Now it's back. <laughs> it was literally gone for less than 24 hours. Of course, they always work something out. It's just how this goes. It's kind of like, um, I think, Valley Sports or like some of the Valley Sports regional channels uh, like ran out of their agreement with like AT&T, I believe, or like DirecTV. Uh, I can't quite remember, but I remember that it being was, a big deal. Yeah, I remember that being a big deal and then like, it always gets figured out. Yeah. I mean, what you got Xfinity cable, right? Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was happening. No, me neither. I saw like a notification about it and I was like, okay, good thing it didn't happen during the draft. I just thought you found out cause you were just scrolling through the TV and try to go to NFL network. And it's just. No, yeah. I, I got like a notification thing about it. Like from Reddit. Yeah, uh, dude. And then, on your whole Bally sports thing, dude, that's the blackouts are so annoying. Oh my God. Don't even get me started on MLB's blackouts. He's trying to watch baseball, man. Yeah. Try as a, as a loyal MLB TV subscriber now running on three years, I'm so annoyed that I have to either watch through cable or watch through like Bally sports, they're like streaming service, which is still through my cable. It absolutely sucks. I wish I could just watch all the games at the same time. Right? Like you have the three TV setup 
you pay for MLB TV, and then boom, you got Orioles, Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, Braves, Mets. That's that's a beautiful day right there. Sounds pretty good to me, but they just won't let me have it. But let's let's get back to the NFL. So we're going to recap a little bit of the draft, uh, just a couple of things that kind of happened throughout some storylines and stuff. So the biggest thing before we kind of get into uh, our breakdown of these teams, give you our top five draft classes from this year, uh, let's get just a little information on this draft. So biggest thing here, and uh, we definitely saw the beginning of it in the uh, draft special on Thursday night, but a record 43 trades happened during this draft. That's insane. That's so many trades. Yeah, and, and I think a, a lot of it, in my mind, I attribute it to the um, the fact that you know the media covered this a lot before the draft, that there was a lot of teams that didn't have you know first-round grades on a lot of guys, didn't really think highly of a lot of players in this class, and so some teams traded out, some teams traded up. Like, I think there was a vast variety in the way that different franchises were valuing different players throughout this draft. Yeah, like to me, it just seems like there were a lot of teams that were just so uncertain on what they wanted to draft. They wanted to be like forced with a pick then have to decide between two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, by position, uh, the position with the most players drafted was corner. That doesn't surprise me because there was a lot of corner talent in this draft. Yeah, we had talked about it, you know, kind of in the days leading up to the draft and during the draft that this was a secondary heavy draft class between corner and safety, which safety had 18 players drafted. We kind of saw this coming. I was a little bit surprised. 32 wide receivers were drafted in this one, which seems like a pretty high number. Yeah, because like really only like 11 or 12 really pop into my brain when yeah, I think wide it, receiver in this class. But to see 32 up there, like I'm looking at one right now, Michael Wilson out of Stanford, couldn't couldn't tell you who the guy was before this draft, if I'm being totally honest. Oh, well, there's plenty of guys that I've never heard of that were in this draft. But uh, just to go down the list a little bit more, linebacker, there was 30 players drafted, 20 defensive tackles, 19 defensive ends, 19 running backs, 18 offensive tackles, 16 offensive guards, 16 tight ends, only 14 quarterbacks, nine centers, four nose tackles, three kickers, and three punters. I feel like, and I could just be wrong here, I feel like there's typically more quarterbacks picked. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. It's just the quarterback class was not that strong this year. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of teams are waiting for next year because I think next year's quarterback class will be better. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think this one was pretty top-heavy. I think it was pretty obvious who the four best were, and then there was a bit of a fall-off, and you know those were the four, you know, the first four quarterbacks off the board. Yeah, you know, seeing Will Levis drop was very lovely. Yeah, but still the fourth quarterback off the board. Doesn't he, what, the second pick in the second round? Yeah, Titans traded up to pick him. Interesting. Yeah, definitely was. But something even more interesting, there was teams contacting potential undrafted free agents on Saturday morning, which was before round four even started. And, you know, 
the rules say that teams are not supposed to contact potential undrafted free agents until after the draft. But the fact that you were doing it before round four, like there is four rounds worth of players to be selected. And you're already calling guys being like, yeah, you're not getting drafted. So let's, you know, talk money. Yeah. And that's, it's very, very weird to me, especially that early. Um, I'm I'm curious to know what teams are doing it. Um, I'm sure, there was plenty, but it's also such a scumbaggish move to just be like, "Hey, we don't see you getting drafted, so come to us for an undrafted free agent." Yeah, like imagine how funny it must have been to be one of the guys that got a call and then gets picked in like round six or seven. <laughs> Dude, no, the only thing I think of is, like, if it was before round four and they're, like, projected to go six or seven, they get a call from a team thinking they're about to get picked. Oh, yeah. That sucks. And then, and then next thing you know, it's like, yeah, you're not getting picked, buddy. But we'll get, <laughs> we'll get you after the draft's over. Yeah, man, you'll be a rookie minicamp, but you're not getting drafted. <laughs> yeah, that's just – that's wrong. And yeah. – I'd like to see a little little punishment on those teams that happen. I would love to as well, but I doubt we'll see anything. I'm going to say that probably half the league. Yeah. So. Half the league has to forfeit their first rounder next year. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope Atlanta was not one of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk real quick about this Colts draft because they had an interesting approach, it appears. Because uh looks like they were really looking into raw athletic score for the scale of rating their players. They didn't pick a single player under an 8.48 raw athletic score. Anthony Richardson was a 10. Julius Brents, uh, a guy that they got a little later, a 9.99. Um, Adetomawa, Double Ware, they got. He's a 9.72. Like, so many guys that are just super high up on the uh, raw athletic score. So I thought that was a very interesting thing because like you wouldn't see like typically a team is at least going to draft one guy that's a little bit low, but looks like the Colts are just looking for athleticism. Yeah, they they had they have the way that they wanted to draft. They executed it and it seems like they're overall happy and excited with who they got. Um and to see Evan Hull at a 9.32, that's to say how late he was drafted with him having that raw athletic score. That's that's sick. Yeah, definitely. And like even you know, Josh Downs, the wide receiver they picked up out of North Carolina, an 8.99. Like it's you know an, an interesting approach, but I kind of like it. Hey, if it works for them. I don't know if I can question anything ever again. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I don't, I don't know how well this one's going to work out. I think it's going to work out well. I like I like the draft class. Don't get me wrong. You know. We're going to see Anthony Richardson start week one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, last thing here before we get into our top five draft classes, Bryce Young uh, will be wearing the number nine with the Panthers. Matt Corral will switch from nine to number two, which is the number he wore at Ole Miss. I like that. I actually do. I like that a lot. Yeah, I I actually I saw a clip from um, I believe it's ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge, where this guy was just like, was like, yeah, 
he might be wearing the number nine and he might be five, 10 and blah, blah, blah. And like pretty much just saying every single thing that Bryce Young compares to Drew Brees with. And he's like, but he's not going to be Drew Brees. I hope he is just for you because you got to see him two times a year. <laughs> you know, you're right. He's not going to be a Drew Brees. He's going to be a Bryce Young. He's going to play Bryce Young's game and he's going to ball out. Now I'm excited to see it. So yeah. whoever said that, stop watching NFL. Actually, no, stay tuned. Stay yeah, tuned. Stay Bryce Young's going to put on a clinic. Keep that same energy when he beats you twice this year. When he beats you 48 to 3. <laughs> Score prediction, 48-3. to Which game? You think it's at? In New Orleans or in Carolina? In New Orleans. Okay. A natural disaster hitting New Orleans. Week one. It's never happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into these top five draft classes because I, I said it. Uh, on last Wednesday's episode before the draft, I said that I really like this draft class. I think there's a lot of kind of hidden gems throughout this draft. And, you know, it, it compares very well to, uh, I think I said 2019 draft class. Um, so without further ado, Colin, let's go ahead and get into it. What was your favorite draft class from this year's draft? You know, it's one that's already been talked about a lot is the Eagles. I like it. Like, just their approach on everything. And I, they weren't expecting to get Jalen Carter so low. And for them to get Jalen Carter where they got him, and then also Nolan Smith, and then also Keely Ringo, they're building a winning defense. Yeah, and by winning, you mean national championship winning. Yeah. <laughs> they know how to play under pressure, but they're just born winners. Hey, we just talked about it, man. Howie Roseman knows what he's doing. Exactly. All right, Greg, who you got? My favorite's the Steelers. And they didn't even have all that many picks. They only made seven picks, none in rounds five and six. But the fact that they were able to get Broderick Jones in the first round, which I think was a phenomenal pickup, and then you were able to wait around and get Joey Porter Jr. in the second. Like, that's huge for them. But their other second-round pick, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, fantastic defensive tackle. I really like him as, like, a prospect for that team. And then as well, third round, once again, another guy falls to him in Darnell Washington. I don't know how great of a fit he is with Pat Fryermuth already on this team. So, he, you know, I don't think he's going to make an immediate impact, but he'll definitely get to see the field quite a bit and could certainly help out Kenny Pickett. Yeah, the Steelers, the Steelers were going to be my next one. But um, I really, I, I honestly really like the Darnell Washington pickup, and we could see the Steelers start running a two tight end offense. Yeah, we definitely could because they, they've got to give Kenny Pickett as much help as they can. Exactly, but also Darnell Washington is a phenomenal blocker. Yeah. So you have Pat Fryer, was it Mouth or Muth? Muth. Muth running, running routes, and you got Darnell Washington up front. It's just, I like it. Yeah. Kenny Pickett's going to be happy. 
He probably hugged the GM. So the Steelers was your second one? Yeah, but I got another one. Okay, go ahead. I like the Giants. And because like mainly mainly on two pickups. Okay. De- Deontay Banks with their first pick. Yep. Really, really talented DB. And that's what they need. And then also Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Yeah, I think they got Jalen Hyatt. You know, getting him kind of late in the third, like that's a big pickup. Yeah, because what at the end of the first round, four wide receivers went in a row. Yeah. So he was the. Ne- I'm pretty sure he was the next wide receiver to go. Nah, there and- was some guys in round two, but um, like I think Jonathan Mingo, Jaden Reed, a couple other guys went ahead of him. But the fact that they were able to get Hyatt in the third round is still a steal. Yeah, he's. Watching what he did against Bama that last last year, I just, <laughs> having flashbacks. Speechless. The dude's a freak. But gives Daniel Jones another weapon and hopefully takes some relief off of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a big thing there is just helping out as much as you can because they need a passing game. They've got to give Daniel Jones some weapons, especially after you paid him. And I think Jalen Hyatt's a great option to have. Yeah. All right, my second favorite is the Cardinals. I I think they had a very good draft, and they addressed a lot of things they needed to. Obviously, Paris Johnson, fantastic pickup. It's exactly what Kyler Murray wanted and needed. He needs an offensive lineman. That's what they did. And then they still address the defensive line with a great pickup in round two with BJ uh, Ojolari out of LSU, brother of, um, oh, what's his name? He went to Georgia. Is it Aziz Ojolari? Uh, I think so. But, but yeah, I- you know, no matter what, still a, a fantastic pickup. And then uh, getting Clayton Toon, a guy that, some people really like, some people weren't the biggest fans of, but I think getting him in the fifth round, pretty solid, just kind of backup option. And throughout this draft, I think they made great picks overall, uh, addressed a lot of needs, but also picked up some guys that can just work and, and you know work on their game with the Cardinals, which the Cardinals have time. Look, they, they got a brand new head coach, and I, I have a feeling that the Cardinals organization is going to be willing to give Jonathan Gannon, a little bit of time to get acclimated. And so, you know, throughout these next couple of years, if they can keep putting together drafts like this, I think they'll kind of rise to the top again. Yeah, and I know a lot of people were, like, really upset with him when they traded away that number three, but I think it was a phenomenal move. Yeah, picking up the capital that they did. God. Yeah, and the picks they even get for next year, uh, beautiful. Yeah, I think they did a fantastic job, you know, not just with the players they drafted, but like you said, the picks that they got next year, you know, getting Houston's first round pick, you know, whether it's, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, top 15. Top three? I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, Definitely, they're looking for the future. Yes, for sure. But you've already done, you've already done three, right? You've already done three teams? I've done two. Well, you did the Steelers as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do my third, and then we'll kind of be even. So 
I really like the Colts draft. And we talked about the raw athletic scores earlier, but just the players they were able to pick up. Uh, Anthony Richardson, of course, fantastic pickup. Look, I, I, I'm not the happiest with that landing spot because he's going to most likely be starting week one. But, you know, y- you can't argue that he's an incredible athlete. And having Shane Steichen, the same offensive coordinator that kind of made Jalen Hurts what he is now, you know, you get the giant version of Jalen Hurts in Anthony Richardson. So you can run a similar offense. You've got talent at running back. You've got talent at wide receiver to help him out. So as long as you can just work with the kid, I think this could pan out very well. And then the pickups, uh, Julius Brents out of Kansas State, fantastic pickup in the second round. Josh Downs in the third round. My favorite pick, though, getting Adetomawa double war a in the fourth round was huge. He's a guy that some people had going in the first round of their mock drafts, including me, and was you know, primarily a second rounder. Some people consider him an edge, some a tackle. He's kind of both. And the fact that he has versatility, but also the willingness to you know, work, that's going to be huge for them. And the fact that they got him in the fourth is crazy. Yeah, and I've shit on Anthony Richardson enough. So I think it's now... Now I need to start showing up some love. Yeah, you can just and keep just, shitting on Will Levis. Just be excited for the opportunity that he's been giving to go out and shine. Not a lot of people get that opportunity that he is getting. Um, but when you look at it, he's so talented. So talented, especially coming out of Florida. Not a very talented school. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, fuck the Gators. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right, but yeah, that's enough talk. That's that's enough love talk for Anthony Richardson. My <laughs> next, my next draft class, the Bears. Ooh, I think Darnell Wright with that tenth uh, pick overall was phenomenal, and it, I did not expect that at all. I thought they were going Skaronsky, but. Uh, the pick I really want to talk about is their their seventh round pick, first pick. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Travis Bell, defensive lineman out of Kennesaw State, baby. Who do who? I believe he's the first KSU player to be drafted. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no? Uh, wait. Uh, did uh, I can't think of his name. Bronson. Yeah. No, nah, he was an undrafted free agent. Okay, he he's the only other player I could have think thought of. Yeah. But no, I I think the Bears addressed a lot of needs, uh, in this draft, and especially a lot of linemen work to help uh, Justin Fields, but they also got uh some sneaky offensive players, uh, Rashawn Johnson, out of Texas, and also Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. So it's definitely I think a lot better than some people would have expected Chicago to do. But what's your take on it? I I really like their class, and I think they addressed the right things at the right times. That's the biggest thing to me is, like, they didn't go for, like, a big jump, you know, know, with their first pick, and they kind of got guys where they fell to them, and I think it worked out phenomenally. Yeah, they addressed a lot of – your linemen's, your linebackers. Um, so I can definitely see next year they address more of your running backs, your wide receivers, your cornerbacks, and stuff like that. So they got their big guys. 
And then next year they're going to go for their explosive guys. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. Uh, my fourth best is the Eagles, which you know we already talked about it, but I, I love this draft for them. Picking up, of course, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo. Uh, getting Keely Ringo in round four is being overlooked a little bit because he was a guy that you know before like the combine and everything. Keely Ringo was in like top tens. There was people that had him going six to the Lions for like a few months, and then just kind of started dropping, and then dropped out of the first and. It seemed like we didn't hear much about him, but a lot of people saw him as like a second or third round guy. But falling to the Eagles in round four, and you know, just continuing the the drafting of the dogs, like this is a fantastic pickup in round four with Keely Ringo. Yeah, and then also don't sleep on their seventh round pick with Moro Ojomo, defensive end out of Texas. Yeah, and I'm only and I'm only saying that because of his name. It's a great name. More here, you say it. Moro Ojomo. See, I I can just hear it all day. Yeah, but it's also fun. they got they got Tanner McKee as well. Yeah, who's the guy that like some people saw him as like fifth, sixth best quarterback in his class, and ended up I, I think coming off the board as like QB like ten. I, th- I think he was like QB nine or ten because he went sixth round, eleven, eleventh yeah. pick of the sixth round, which is, I mean, I was surprised to see, see them draft a backup QB in this draft. I'm not like, it, it's just like something you can do when you're a good team. You just pick yeah. up a quarterback at some point in the draft and be like, like you're not going to start. Like Tanner McKee is certainly not going to see the field and you know he's not a great athlete he didn't really do too well at Stanford then again you know the the scheme he's playing in the, the players he had to help him out did not help him at all but he's definitely like a developmental backup who you know if he needs to come in the game you know a couple years down the road you know he's not a horrible option yeah, so we'll compare him to Asia McCarron uh yeah, I guess AJ like started games though for the Bengals. Yeah, did he start he, a playoff game? I think yeah. I'm trying to think what year it was. Um, I feel like it was against the was it against the Steelers? I think it was against the Texans. Maybe I can't remember, but back back when JJ Watt was yeah. terrorizing QBs, but. Colin, let's hear your last team. All right. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but my last team is going with the Lions. I don't mind it. I think that's a good pick. Mainly because they got two picks in the first round and also two picks in the second round. And then also two picks in the third round. So they had six total picks within three rounds. And you think they used them well? The... F- so <laughs> the whole Jameer Gibbs thing is starting to make a little bit more sense now that they got rid of DeAndre Swift. Yes. Um, but Brian Branch, I think, is a phenomenal pick for them. Yeah, I agree. In the middle of the second. A lot of people had him going at the end of the first. And for them to be able to use their fourth pick on Brian Branch, 
what is phenomenal because they got an awesome tight end in Laporta out of Iowa. They actually drafted two Hawkeyes back-to-back, back-to-back picks, not like immediate back-to-back picks, but Jack Campbell linebacker out of Iowa. So it's the same thing. They really got their needs because what they're, who's their tight end right now? Um, I'm blanking on his name, but he had like a three, like a three touchdown game last year when he really shouldn't have. Yeah, because it's not hacky sack. Nah. Um, but besides that, they also got Hidden Hooker, which I think I, I I really do like that pick for them. I like it, but at the same time, like they're right now in talks of extending Jared Goff. Like, is it realistic that we even see Hidden Hooker make a start before he's like twenty eight? Uh, he turns. He's twenty five right now. Turns twenty six next January. Like, there's a chance we don't see him play very much until you know maybe twenty eight, twenty nine. He'll get to start for his fortieth birthday. <laughs> but uh, no, I could see him being that QB that sort of like uh, Jalen Hurts in the SEC championship. Okay. Tua gets hurt. He's got to step up. So you, you think Jared Goff's going to get hurt? You're rooting for injuries now. Uh, no comments. <laughs> All right, Sorry, Jared. I'm gonna. God, I hate that name. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give my last one, and then we'll move on to some MLB talk. My last one's the Seahawks. I, you know, some people would say they reached on Devin Witherspoon. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it is. Now that I'm, you know, now that it's not my initial reaction, now that I get to kind of sit back and look at it, I think it's a great pickup. Um, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, fantastic pick. I don't really agree with this uh, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA in round two. I feel like that was just kind of, kind of useless. But. Um, I do like Kenny McIntosh round seven. That's a solid pickup. Kenny McIntosh is just a, a grinder. That's what he did at Georgia. And um, also, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce this. Ula Watimi, the center from Michigan, uh, as well as Mike Morris, the edge. They both got they got both of them in round five. Just three picks apart. Both fantastic pickups, especially that late. So. I'm pretty happy with it. And Derek Hall out of Auburn is a fantastic pickup in the second as well. So I think the Seahawks did a great job. I think that the Devin Witherspoon pick was surprising, but now looking back at it, it's like, okay, it makes sense. Like one of the highest graded quarterbacks or cornerbacks in power five last season and just really fits in the system. And he doesn't have to be the number one cornerback on this team with Tariq Woolen. Yeah. One thing I see, I can, I'm seeing Seattle play a little trend. They're trying to get back to that being known for defense more than just trying to advance with an explosive offense. Um, yeah. So, because, like, Seattle Seahawks football, we're so familiar with it being low-scoring games with tremendous defense. Yeah, Legion of Boom, like Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, who is back with the team, you know, numerous other guys. Like that's what we were used to with the Seahawks. And I think we're I think you're right. I think we're starting to get back to that. Yeah. Um I agree with you hundred percent. It it was surprising but very exciting draft for the Seahawks. Yeah. All right. 
That's going to do it. Anything else you want to talk about with this draft? Uh, Falcons, you got to do better. Yeah, I, I think it, it was a weird one. I, I don't even really want to talk about it. But, like, look, okay, I get I get it. I get drafting Bijan. I think um, there's a guy, he writes for um, the Falcons for Yahoo Sports, I believe. He said that Bijan was our biggest reach and our best pick, our best value, worst value. Like, it, it's just, like, the most polarizing pick. But you can't deny the fact that he's a fantastic player and – you know, was there, but I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I really trusted Tyler Algier and I was really excited to see what he had in store. And now it seems like that's going to be limited. Well, let me ask you this with Tyler Algier seeing the Falcons draft Bijan, how do you think, like, is he about to win the starting spot? We'll see. And in, in camp, like, how does that affect his mental game? There's knowing no that telling. Knowing that he's got to step up, everyone's expecting Bijan to be the lead back. It's like they hear Bijan Robinson get drafted. It's like who who even is Tyler Tyler Algier anymore? Yeah, and I think that was kind of the story all last season. He was just overlooked all year, and then all of a sudden at the end of the season, they're like, "Oh shit!" This rookie running back for the Falcons rushed for over a thousand yards. Yeah, everyone was expecting. Him like everyone's saying he's gonna be the future running, but like the franchise running back for the Falcons, the next Michael Turner. Maybe not anymore. Yeah, there, there's really no telling. But you know, I think we did some good stuff. You know, outside of a couple of the moves, but I think you know Matthew Bergeron, the offensive guard out of Syracuse, was a fantastic pickup in the second. You know, we didn't really have that many picks; only six picks in this draft. And, uh, you know, I think for for what we had, I think we used them wisely overall. Yeah, I agree. All right, Colin. You ready to talk some MLB? Finally. <laughs> yeah, if we haven't gotten to talk MLB. It seems like you know, a week, week and a half now. So, you know, we missed a lot with the MLB recaps. But anything that's happened over this past week that you uh, you want to highlight? Yeah, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is Cody Bellinger. And I didn't see how he did tonight, but last time I checked, he 13 game on base streak. And with that, he, I'm pretty sure he had like six home runs with like six doubles as well during that span. And Fantastic. I was about to say, he's, he's kicking into high gear. And like we said before, this change of scenery is really helping him. I believe he is slowly returning back to his MVP self. But watching him play, he's just having fun. Yeah. He's not doing all the stupid shit that he used to do off the field. He loves the group of guys he's playing with. This is a change of blue. That's all I need. Change <laughs> of blue. He just needed some pinstripes. And there's some... Some ivy out in the field. Yeah, man. But I do want to talk about a couple of the series from over the weekend because we had some really good ones uh, over this past weekend. So Braves and Mets, which kind of got messed up, you know, uh, Saturday and Sunday. 
both both being postponed. They play them both on Monday. A fantastic doubleheader. Even though we didn't get the result we wanted in the second one, Sean Murphy absolutely showed out. Spencer Strider looked fucking phenomenal. And um, overall, like Acuna just continues to roll. But I'm very happy with what I've seen from the Braves, and they looked great this past weekend as well as tonight. Yeah, Spencer Strider's he he's he's putting up Cy Young numbers right now, and it's good to see Sean Murphy kicking into gear because we need that. Yeah, uh, especially you know at this point in the season, we're getting into the dog days. It's not the beginning of the season anymore. Like <laughs> we've already played thirty games, and exactly. the dog days of summer is where you know divisions are won and. That's what we're looking to do. We're looking to defend that title, and this is the right time for guys to uh, start heating up. Yeah, win now. Yeah, win and, now, so you don't have to later. Exactly, and with Austin Riley off to a bit of a slow start, uh, it's it's really big to see Sean Murphy, you know, in the four hole getting it done. Yeah, and even another name stepping up right now, Kevin Pillar. Yup. With with uh, Michael Harris's absence, the dude. Like he's getting overlooked on what he's doing for the team right now, not only offensive but defensive. Yeah, and, and Michael Harris, now that he's returned, he's you know kind of getting it back in gear as well. He went one for three uh, in the second game of the doubleheader, um, or sorry, in the the first game, and uh, uh, pinch hit in the second game, but that that was expected. And then tonight had a pretty solid night as well against the Marlins. He. Uh, Though it was a one for five, that double that he legged out was ridiculous. Like he knew he was getting two as soon as it came off the bat. Yeah, dude, we we shat on Sandy Alcantara, bro. Yeah, holy shit, man! He only went five, three earned runs, five Ks, three walks. That doesn't look like a reigning Cy Young to me. Yeah, but talking about winning, bro, the Tampa Bay Rays off to a twenty-four and six start. Crazy. Did you say crazy? No, I said crazy. Oh, I was about to say I like the word crazy. I don't think that's a word. It is now. All right, whatever. But no, uh, Jose Siri stole home today. That's crazy. That's crazy. But, <laughs> but no, they just they keep finding ways to win. Like yeah, they had a what a span where they lost four straight. Yeah, they had a tough run. I don't know about four straight, but they definitely lost a few games in a short span. And it's even crazy that we're even talking about that because they're 24 and six. Yeah. But this just, they're showing something. They're hitting bombs like nobody else. They're batting for average. Like, I think five of their starting lineup is over 320. Yeah, they're Which, absolutely crazy. And their leadoff hitter is Yandy Diaz. Dude, what, what's more insane about Tampa is that they're only three and a half games ahead of Baltimore. Baltimore, 20 and nine. Like, this shit is crazy in the AL East. Everybody ended the month of April above 500. They still remain above 500, two games in. Like, the AL East is crazy, and it's going to be real hard for you know any other division to snatch up a wild card spot because of it. Yeah, I mean we were talking about how close the NL West was going to be with the Dodgers, Padres, and Diamondbacks, 
we sort of overlooked the AL East. Yeah, like, and like even crazier, the Yankees finished the month in last, and they were like I think fifteen and fourteen. Yeah, it's insane. But one thing I want to talk about: Oakland. Oof. There ain't much Yikes. to talk about. <laughs> Yikes! Six and twenty-three. Yeah. Good no. news is it's not just them losing at home. Like they they've won just as many games at home as they have away. They're not too good. I was about to say when you realize it's only three times at each, it's not a good look. They're they're three and twelve at home and three and eleven away. So pretty consistent baseball out of Oakland. Ooh. Yeah, and just bad news coming out of Oakland every day. Yesterday <laughs> it came out that um, the the owner of the A's, who's also the owner of the, uh, I, I believe, the San Jose Earthquakes in the MLS, um, both of those teams, John Fisher put up his collateral in five-year loans in 2020. Uh, the A's were collateral for U.S. Bank and, and the San Jose Quakes collateral with Goldman Sachs. That is fucking crazy. Jeez, that's that's insane. Got to be real confident that you're going to pay back that loan. Oh, but hey, Oakland A's is collateral. Be my guest. Yeah, they're already going to Vegas. It don't matter. Hey, they're winning right now, though. Eh, we'll see how long Seattle. that lasts. One nothing going into the eighth. <laughs> that's that's not enough for Oakland. Yeah, so. There's only only been three total hits in the game. Uh, let me talk about the Cardinals real quick because they had a tough month. This is the first time in NL Central history that the Cardinals have ended in or have ended April in last place. Last time that the Cardinals finished April last in their division was 1988 when they were in the NL East. Yeah, it just seems like they can't get a consistent lineup going. Like, every time I look at their lineups, it's something totally different. Yeah, it's almost like they're like, it's like trouble in paradise. Like, there's so many good players on that roster, and it just seems like it's not working. Yeah, really, it's their pitching staff that's giving them the heartache. Yeah. Like, Steven Matz had a rough outing even today. Five innings pitch, gave up six hits, four runs, two walks, and only four Ks. That's what is he? Is he like fourth in the rotation? Uh, probably. And I know Wainwright uh, is making his return, I believe, on Wednesday. So as you're listening to this today, uh, Adam Wainwright, I believe, is making his first start. No, Miles Michaelis is. Uh, I think Thursday. We'll see Wayno. There you go. Grandpa's back. Yeah. Uncle Charlie. <laughs> but, yeah. St. Louis has got some work to do, but you can never count them out, even with how early it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, while we're on the topic of teams being absolute shit, the Royals 7-23, and the White Sox 9-21. and Like, okay, look, at this point, if you haven't reached 10 wins, I'm not liking your chances of being, you know, third in your division. So October, October baseball. 
ain't looking too good for you. Yeah, unless you're going a a, a raise run, a razy run. <laughs> the thing is, did we? Did you expect the Chicago White Sox to be this shit? No, I, I didn't. And they are their shit. That's for sure. I'm just. It's just. I thought they were going to be like top of their division. Yeah, and it's not like they're being plagued by injuries. Like they've only got like a couple guys out right now. You know, it seems, but it's just like crazy how bad they are. Like nobody, you know, integral to the team is out right now and they just can't win. It's got to be their bullpen. Yeah, it definitely hasn't been good. Cuz uh, I mean, it's it's hard to put words to it because their lineup's not bad with Tim Anderson, Benintendi, Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert, and yeah. Yasmani Grandal. Who, yeah, Yasmani Grandal has not been very good the last two years, but still, you're you're right. Like the guys that you pointed out have been great, and like Gavin Sheets is a great player. Like they're Obviously, missing, like, consistency. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing. I think the most consistent player is Tim Anderson, and he's not really off to a great start this season. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's only batting 275. Yeah, he's batting 275 so far this season. and Which isn't, isn't terrible. No, but, you know, he's only played 12 games. Yeah. Oh, and uh, just to, you know, bring it back up, the A's Mariners have now won one ball game. <laughs> I told you. AJ Pollock broke up the uh, no-hitter in the eighth with a home run. Oh, they were getting no-hit? Yeah. By the A's? Yeah. Who, who was chucking that no-hitter? Um, Mason Miller. Oh, he's the, the young guy they brought up like two weeks ago. Good for him. Way to go, man. Shout out Mason Miller. Yeah. It, he might were, get the loss, but. <laughs> yeah. It was Mason Miller versus Bryce Miller tonight. Nice. Two guys makes me wanna, aren't very good. Makes me want to drink a Miller. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Not, not of age. But one last thing. Let's talk about April statistical leaders for hitters and pitchers because a couple of guys just looking fucking crazy. Throughout this first month. So, uh, for average, of course, Luis Arise. Who else? He's, it's not going to change. Yeah, 438. He's 39 for 89 right now. Absolutely insane. A three-way tie in hits, which is kind of crazy. Uh, Luis Arise, Nico Horner, and Bryson Stott all at 39 hits. The Bryson Stott is sneaky. Yeah, dude. He started off the season on like a 15 or 16 game hitting streak. Yeah, because the Phillies definitely, like, they weren't playing good baseball. So I think that was overlooking how strong of a start Bryson Stott had. Yeah, he, he's looked phenomenal. And then Marcus Simeon uh, led the league with uh, runs scored with 25. Ronald Acuna, of course, leading the league in stolen bases with 13. That's what we like to Baller. see. 40-40 incoming. And then oh, uh, Max Muncy. Leading the league with 11 home runs. Kind of crazy uh, that Max Muncy's even there. But, you know, even though the Dodgers, they really haven't been that good. 
17 and 13. It's not what we're used to seeing from the Dodgers. And, um, but glad to see that Max Muncy's playing well. Guy that I'm a, a big fan of. Oh, yeah. So he jumped Pete. What is Pete at 10? I believe so. With that three run mammo against the Braves. Yeah. And then Adolis Garcia just absolutely killing it with the RBIs. He's already got 30 RBIs. Yeah. Well, he had like 10 in one game last week. Yeah, so that definitely helped. And then Juan Soto, of course, leading in walks with 27. Luis Arias leading in on-base percentage at 500. And then Matt Chapman leading in OPS. Of course, Matt Chapman has easily been the best player in the MLB so far this year. I think I can say that confidently. Wait, did you say the good dinosaur is leading in walks? Sure is. How many again? 27. Damn. Yeah. And it makes sense. He's got good discipline at the plate. Yeah. It's a little hit thrust. A little shimmy. Yeah. I but still hate him. Let's talk pitching. Sonny Gray leading the league in ERA with a .77. Not what I expected out of Sonny Gray this year. Hey, I'm happy for him. I'll yeah. say it every time I'm on the pad po- podcast while we're talking about him. I'm so happy to see him turn around. Because phenomenal pitcher, phenomenal guy. Yeah, he is. I'm I'm glad that he's seen success because I think you know what we saw from him with like the Reds, like he was a very good pitcher. It didn't really get to show it off in New York, and now with the Twins, I'm very happy with what we've seen. And then Kevin Gosman leading in strikeouts. Wish we could have seen this kind of guy when he was with the Braves. He kind of sucked. But I, say, I think he led in walks, not strikeouts. Yeah, probably <laughs> did. And um. It's Kevin Gosman has kind of cemented himself as like a, a pretty high tier pitcher in this league. Yeah, who's he with right now? The Blue Jays still. Uh, That's right. He's been fantastic. And then Josh Hader leading in the saves, 10 saves on 10 opportunities, which is outstanding. I said, didn't last, last week when we talked about him, he was at four? Um, I, well, I think that was two weeks ago. Okay. But still, <laughs> six saves in two weeks, absolutely insane. A lot of close ball games there, but no, we're starting to see Josh Hader back back to his uh, pure self because he was a little shaky there for a little bit last year. Yeah, and then uh, the whip leader, uh, Baltimore Orioles, Tyler Wells, with a 0.72 walks and hits per innings pitched. Dude, I remember pulling that card so many times in my packs on MLB The Show. Pretty sure he was like a 54 overall. Yeah, he was a very low overall. (laughs) Yeah, he was horrible. Uh, But this guy's not horrible. The batting average against leader Shohei Otani. Batters only hitting a 102 average against Otani. Jeez. Absolutely insane. And then Garrett Cole leading in innings pitched at 40.2. I'm, I'm, look, okay, I'm never going to be happy that a Yankees player is doing well. I'm glad that Garrett Cole is, is starting to return to what he once was. Yeah, and he's off to a 5 0 start, too. Yeah, he's tied for the lead in wins as well uh, with Shane McClanahan, Joe Ryan of the Minnesota Twins, and the old man himself, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. I swear, Joe Joe Ryan is the best name in baseball right now. Dude, he is nasty 
on the mound. Like his pitches have the most ridiculous movement. Yeah, dude, his his two seam is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, don't get me started on the slider. Oof. Slider. <laughs> and then George Kirby. This is crazy. George Kirby has only allowed two walks this season. What? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it is absolutely insane. Especially as a starting pitcher. Yeah, like he God's been absolutely lights out, and he's not even you know I wouldn't say he's not I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not the best pitcher in this rotation, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. He's you know he's he's made five starts, only walked two batters, one in his most recent start uh, on Thursday against the Phillies, and one in his first start uh, against the Angels, but. Three straight games of no walks. Yeah, I think the thing that's most impressive is how young he is. And yeah, he's doing this because usually when you're young in the league, you're you're still learning how to pitch on an MLB mound. Yeah, usually yeah, your 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 walk numbers are through the roof, but to see him just settle in nice and early is exciting as he grows in his career. Yeah, and then of course the team leading a winning percentage. Who else but the Rays? Twenty three and six uh, in the month of April, a, a seven ninety three winning percentage. That's absolutely insane. But uh, before we move on, I do want to bring up uh, we're going to see Max Scherzer start Wednesday for the Mets, and Justin Verlander will finally make his season debut and Mets debut uh, in Detroit on Thursday. Go Tigers! Oh yeah. All right, Colin, anything else you want to point out? Any series that are happening midweek that you like? Uh, I mean, not. I want to talk about a series that happened uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, go ahead. That's, that's the Mariners-Blue Jays series. It was a phenomenal series. And I think the Blue, yeah, the Blue Jays took two out of the three. But they were all so close. Like, game one was three to two, Blue Jays win. Game two, 1-0 in 10 innings, Blue Jays win. And then game three, Mariners 10-8 in 10 innings, Mariners took it. So all one or two run games. And that's two highly talented teams that we will see in October. Oh, yeah. I definitely like both of those teams. And that series was so much fun to watch. Uh, you know, kind of midweek series to look out for Phillies Dodgers. Um, you know, they're playing right now. Dodgers up four one and top of the sixth. Bryce Harper not looking too hot, but you know, it's fine. He's just now coming back. But other series to look out for Pirates Rays, a series that nobody was circling uh, to start the season, but a, a crazy one and, and a great matchup here. Um, Tomorrow or you know today as you're listening, Mitch Keller versus Shane McClanahan. I'm actually excited to watch this game. The Pirates are off to a great start. Yeah, man, twenty and ten. It leading, seems like they're for real. They're leading their division. Yeah, right something now. that they're not very accustomed to in recent memory. And the craziest thing, the Reds aren't even in less. Yeah, that's wild, but. Um, other series to look at this week, um, Blue Jays-Red Sox. Uh, this is a big one for the division standings, at least. 
Blue Jays at 18 and 12, Red Sox 17 and 14. Um, we could definitely see a little bit of shifting there in kind of the middle of the uh, AL East. Yeah. Uh, as well as Diamondbacks and Rangers. A uh, fantastic series to follow. That was going to be the one I was going to talk about. Definitely, definitely love the kind of baseball that the Diamondbacks are playing right now, as, yeah. well, as well as the Rangers. Yeah, I love what I've seen from both of these teams so far. Like Diamondbacks, like Zach Gallon's been on fire. Corbin Carroll looks like the NL Rookie of the Year right now. And then for the Rangers, like Adolis Garcia putting on a fucking RBI clinic this season uh, on top of pretty solid pitching. Yeah, DeGrom's starting to figure it out. Yeah. So that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, you, too bad, you, gotta, you know, DeGrom did get put on the 15-day IL um, just a couple of days ago, so we won't see him for, you know, two, three starts, but it's a tough loss. And then uh, Corey Seager is on the IL as well. So some tough losses here, but I, I think that this team's relatively deep, and I, I think they're still going to do a great job. you still got Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Jonah Heim, who's been off to a great start. So definitely still looking forward to that Diamondbacks-Rangers series to uh, conclude tomorrow. Agreed. All right. Anything before we get into our March and April team of the month? No, I'm curious to see what you got. All right. Well, I guess we'll go kind of by position. So I'll say, uh, you know, we got three outfielders, of course, then full infield, catcher, DH, starting pitcher, and then a relief pitcher or closer. I'll start with my first outfielder. Who else, man? Ronald Acuna Jr. This motherfucker, he is going crazy. He's got 23 runs in the months of March and April, really just April because they played one game in March. But a 1.6 war, a WRC, which is weighted runs created, of 26, huge stuff. And then, of course, the stolen bases, 13 stolen bases. He's hit nine doubles already this season. The home runs, I'd like to see him higher, only four this month. But, look, the kid's going to heat up. Yeah, he's off to a phenomenal start. Look, looking like primetime Marlon Cunha that we're used to seeing, so it's some scary shit. All right, who's your first outfielder, Colin? Ah, we're going Corbin Carroll. I like it. I I know. I, I expected him to be your first, and I'm not going to lie, but like I'm not going to go too much into it because we had just talked about it. But looking like he's going to be NL Rookie of the Year, dude, March, April, and expected for May. Kick it into gear. Phenomenal defensive player. Absolutely speed demon on the bases. And he, he's hitting with a little bit of power right now. Yeah, and he's leading the Diamondbacks in batting average, uh, I think, just over 300. Yeah. So, he... Who better than to put him in there? Because young, exciting, explosive. Yeah, uh, a fun player to watch. Uh, I surprisingly didn't put him in my team of the month. I think there was two other guys that I really liked just a little bit by like the the deeper numbers. Um, and, and first, I'll say Adolis Garcia. Uh, just absolutely crazy. 30 RBIs uh, this month. 24 runs scored is ridiculous. And... 
You know, though his average a little bit low at 267, he's still slugging 533. But the thing that jumps off the page to me, the hard hit percentage. 50.6% of his hits are classified as a hard hit. And I just really like what I'm seeing out of Adolis Garcia. Eight home runs as well. He's kind of, he's looking like the best player on a team that's looked very good so far this year. Yeah, I like that. He definitely had a phenomenal April. All right, your next outfielder, Colin. All right, next outfielder is going to be Brandon Nimmo. Okay. Batting 320 in the month of April. Absolutely. He's keeping the Mets in almost every game. I'm pretty sure he played every game in April. Not so much on the home run side. He only has two. But OPS, 876. But it's really his defensive that impressed me. I'm pretty sure he robbed two home runs this month. But he also threw out five five guys at home plate. Wow. So, as much, he didn't really, I don't think he really did much against the Braves. Yeah, but not really. every other team, he shit on. Yeah, it's hard to shit on the Braves. They're kind of really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he actually struck out six times against the Braves in a three-game series. It's tough, bro. It's the struggles of being in the NL East. Yeah, you got to run through us. But... <laughs> My third outfielder, Randy Arozarena. Uh, he's been a huge part of the Rays' success. He's batting 327, which is uncharacteristic uh, of, of Randy Arozarena. Batting for a high average, high on base percentage as well at 392, slugging 530, or 573. The hard hit percentage, 55.4. Barrel percentage, 20.5. Absolutely ridiculous. He's already got a 1.3 war so far this season. 28 RBIs, 21 runs. He's got a triple. He's got seven home runs. Like He's doing it all, and it's a big part of the success of the race. Yeah, I like that. He's, he's their spark, in my opinion. Certainly. But kicking it into my last outfielder, I'm going Brandon Marsh. Batting 337. Fifth in all of baseball. But that's not even his best category. OPS 1.062. He's second in all of baseball right there. That's solid. But I hate his hair. I do as well. Like, why, why can't he cut it? I think he just needs to trim up the beard. But I'm, I'm I need to stop going off on tangents. But overall, he's absolutely been tearing up the diamond this month, and I think this spot is well deserving for him. Yeah, he's been fantastic, and you know he's made a, a few errors on the offensive side, but you know overall a, a great defensive outfielder, and he's looked very good for a relatively struggling Phillies team. Him and Bryson Stott versus the world. All right, well, let's move to the infield. Let's start it off with first base. I had to take Yandy Diaz. He's looked absolutely insane. Like, 
at batting leadoff for the Rays, 16 RBIs, 23 runs. He's hit seven homers. He's batting 319, hard hit percentage, 58.2%. Crazy. A 1.2 war already, a WRC plus at 185. That's that's pretty damn good with the league average being 100. The walk rate looking pretty good at 13.4%. So he's getting on base. He's hitting the ball. Like, I couldn't ask for more out of a leadoff batter. Yeah, and I don't even got to talk that much about first base because that's exactly who I had. And you said everything I wanted to say about him. Yeah, guys killing it. And just like a Rosarena, Yandy Diaz has been a big part of the Rays' success. Yeah, dude's absolutely killing it. And he's not the last Ray on my team. I don't think he's the last one on mine. But let's move to second base. Uh, I think this one as well, uh, kind of a layup. Luis Arias, like absolutely absurd. 438 average, 500 on base. He's, he's just that guy when it comes to just getting on base. And it's kind of surprising to see the walk percentage kind of low for him at 10, 10%, but the strikeout percentage is what jumps off the page. A 4.9% strikeout percentage is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's no questions asked when we talk about Luis Arias. It's, you know what you're getting. He's going to put the ball in play. But I'm going, I, I might butcher his first name. Uh, Tyro Estrada. Yeah, Tyro, Tyro, whatever. Yeah. Phenomenal April. Like, the dude is off to a great start. I just had it. I think he's batting three, 342. Four bombs. Not so much on the high side of RBIs, but a solid 910 OPS. Um, but like you said, he's not striking out. He's putting the ball in play, and he's really implementing himself on being an everyday starting second baseman. Yeah, he's doing a great job for a team that, you know, I think the RBIs are low because there's not a lot of talent, you know, in the hitting department for that or the, for that Giants team. Did you just say department? Yeah. I didn't know you were at work. Not just said. Department. All right, all right. Who you got a shortstop? Who you got a shortstop? We're doing third base first, man. You know how to go around the diamond. Uh, all right. It's the best player in baseball this season, Matt Chapman. Easily, easy, easy pick. A WRC plus two nineteen. That's absolutely fucking absurd. He's already got two WAR this season. He's batting three eighty four, but the slugging percentage six eighty seven. Hard hit percentage sixty seven point one percent. Fucking crazy. Obviously, I'd like him I'd like him to stop striking out so much. 22.8% K percentage, but 21 RBIs, 17 runs, 5 homers, 15 doubles. That's almost as many singles as he has. He's got 18 singles. The guy has looked absolutely phenomenal. And you know, right now I'd say he's the front runner for AL MVP. Yeah, I like that. And there's no one close to him. Right now he's putting up ridiculous numbers but my third base is max muncie like we talked earlier he's doing his thing all right the 11 bombs is impressive enough 
but I'm pretty sure when he started, he was under a hundred batting average, and he's worked he's worked his way up to two thirty eight, OPS ten fifty, twenty two RBIs. Like I said, he's implementing himself. He's really filling the void that when JT left, he's found a home. Because what last year he was floating between first, second, outfield, third. Yeah. Now he's just chilling at third base, doing his thing. Yeah. And, and since we're kind of coming to a close with uh, third base, I, I got to call out MLB because they put out their team of the month and they put Max Muncy at DH. That's fucking cheating. He hasn't even started a game this season at DH. Yeah. Well, MLB, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. If anybody should follow the rules, it's you. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. Let's move to shortstop now. <laughs> I got Wander Franco, Tampa Bay Rays. Like, it's crazy that there's three Rays in this team, but they fucking deserve it. They've been so goddamn good. And once again, Wander Franco is just another piece of it. A 42.2% hard hit percentage. And pair that with the 300 batting average, a 545 slugging. He's looked crazy good. Uh, obviously, Needs to walk a little bit more, but not striking out too much. Only a 16%, 17 runs, 17 RBIs. He's got six stolen bases, five homers, 12 doubles. Like, Wander Franco is certainly showing everybody that not just was one time a highly touted prospect, he is the guy now. Yeah, he's coming to light. Because before last year, everyone was questioning things. Certainly. All right. My shortstop, I'm going. I, I don't want to be like it's it's Xander Bogarts. Yeah. Cause I mean, besides Wander Franco at the shortstop position, there's not really that many other shortstops that are performing that well. So he's at a 304 average, 392 on base percentage, 500 slugging. It's what you want out of out of your shortstop and a guy that they spent a lot of money on. So that's there's not really much to talk about besides him and Wander Franco being shortstop player of the month. Yeah, they they've both been extremely good. I, I think, you know, Bogart's obviously just the hard hitting out of him is the biggest part. And he's looked phenomenal for the Padres. Yeah, one of the right. key players right now. Yeah. All right, let's talk catcher. You know, personally, I think there's only one way to go here, but, you know, that's up for discussion. I think it's Jonah Heim. Guy's been absolutely killing it for the Rangers. Batting 303, 592 slugging, hard hit percentage at 50.8, and he's got 1.5 war right now. He looks really good defensively behind the plate. It, Pair that with the 22 RBIs, 16 runs, 5 homers, 7 doubles. The kid looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I don't disagree. So your guy? What? So your guy? Or did you go a different route? I went a different route. Okay. And I even went a different route from Sean Murphy. Okay. We're going to Adley Rushman. I like it. Absolute baller. Batting 300, 
437 slugger. Let's see. WRC of 140. Not the highest out of catchers, but was still how young, very respectable. Oh, yeah. And like so many other teams, he is leading the Orioles into a winning team. Because before, the Orioles were just nobodies. They were the Oakland Athletics. But seeing them as second in their division right now is crazy. Yeah, he's been a huge part of the Orioles' success, and I think he just kind of brings balance. I think that's what the catcher position does. It brings balance to a team. If you got a good catcher, you're most likely a pretty good team. And not to, he he's such a good pitch caller, too. Oh, yeah. I think that might be the best part of his game. Yeah, it's it just the fact that he is so good as a catcher because there's a lot of catchers that we talk about where they're really good hitters, but they just don't quite do it behind the plate or vice versa. And I think that Adley Rutschman's probably the best at doing it all. Yeah. He's your 10-tool athlete. All right. Let's talk DH. I want you to go for your DH first. I'm Okay, I'm going Jordan Alvarez. Okay, me too. That's why I wanted you to go first, because I figured we had the same guy. All right, let me hear, let me hear your stats, Gray. All right, look, the average isn't too high, but he's a DH. He doesn't have to be batting 272, but on base percentage, crazy good for him. 388 is fantastic for Jordan Alvarez. He's walking a lot more than he typically does, 13.3%, though he's striking out pretty high rate, 26.5% of the time. That's not great, but he just does it. He doesn't even have the home run numbers that we typically see out of him with only six, but he's scoring runs. He's got 14 runs scored, but the RBIs is the big thing for me with Jordan. 27 RBIs is fantastic, especially considering him being a power hitter and not really hitting a lot of home runs. He's just putting the ball in play a lot. And it's really helping out his team. Yeah, I know a lot of his RBIs have been coming from like sack flies or uh, ground outs. So in situations where he knows he needs to score runs, he's doing it. He's choking up, putting the ball in play. And maybe when there's nobody on base, that's when we see that we see him go for the big shot. So that's where we see his numbers start to go. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I guess that's a good time to move on to the pitchers. Let's go for our starting pitcher. I've got Zach Gallon. I think that Garrett Cole is probably the popular pick, but I really like what I've seen from Zach Gallon. This isn't just me trying to back up me saying that he's going to win NL Cy Young because the guy's been absolutely crazy good. And, like, okay, 563 pitches. He's thrown 367 strikes. That's crazy. The K's per nine, 12.19. He's thrown 51 strikeouts um, in 37.2 innings pitched. Uh, he just looks fantastic. A, a big stat that I love is Sierra for pitchers. Um, it, it's kind of like a an adjusted way of finding an ERA, kind of factoring in different things. A 2.49 Sierra, great. And... <clears throat> a barrel percentage of just 4.8%. So he's not letting guys get the hard hits off of him, and that's a big part of his success. I like that. 
I'm moving away from like those two names. I'm going Spencer Strider. Love it. Because the good thing is his most recent start against the Mets was bad, but that was in May. I'm talking April. I'm talking April. His last four starts in April. uh, Let's see. Only gave up one home run. But also, he combined for, I'm pretty sure, 40 strikeouts. Wow. So, averaging 10 Ks and four starts. And let's not talk about that one in Miami where he took a no-hitter into the eighth. Well, we can talk about it, and you just did. I guess I did. (laughs) But eight innings pitched. Only gave up two hits, which were in the eighth, but had 13 strikeouts. No walks. No no runs. Beautiful outing from the mustachio man. All right. I, I love that pick. I, I think that Garrett Cole was the easy option. Just, you know, the complete game shutout, all that stuff. Definitely helps him in, you know, having the five wins. But I think we both had very respectable picks. I don't like going the easy option, man. Yeah, I agree. That's what I did exactly with uh, my reliever. I did not take the easy option. You know, maybe you could say it was, but I went with Jose Alvarado, who's not even really like a closer per se for the Phillies. Still picked up five saves in 12 games pitched. But the big thing for me, he's pitched 12 innings, 12.1 innings, 24 strikeouts. He's thrown 190 pitches, 120 strikes given up one home run. So um he's done fantastic with that. That's his only earned run was the one solo shot. And the guy has just been absolutely mind-blowing. So when you look at the numbers just together, 12.1 innings pitched, 24 strikeouts, zero walks, one earned run and it was a solo shot. Okay, yeah, I like that. Now well, he's with the Phillies, right? Yeah. I think you said that. I would like to see him start sucking, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. But I'm also going with a guy who's not the easy pick. And that's, uh, I might butcher his name again because I suck with names. Yinier Cano. Who? Yinier Cano, relief pitcher out of the Orioles. Okay. All right. Saves the last seven days. One. But he's not a closer. He's their, he's their relief pitcher. And so far this this season, 12 innings pitched. And granted, he made his first outing in April. So when I say regular season, it's actually in April. 12 innings pitch. He's only given up one hit. Zero runs. Zero, zero, zero home runs given up. Zero walks. And 13 Ks. Wow. So he's doing what he needs to do to make sure the Orioles stay fighting for first place. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I'm going to be honest, never really heard of him all that much. But yeah, he's been absolutely dominant. Yeah. And really, the one hit is insane. Yeah. It, it, uh, he's got a whip of 0.08. Yeah. 
the especially with the competition he's been playing, like he's been pitching against Boston, Detroit. Let's see, I think he those two don't really help you out. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, he's kind of pitched against shit teams, but listen, you're in the MLB. You're pitching against awesome baseball players. Yeah. All, all right. right. That's, that's all I got on them. Well, that rounds it out. I think that's going to do it for us, Colin. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, Not necessarily, except for, uh, you know, go Braves. I think that's really what I got to end out. I'm not right. biased, I promise. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, But no, thanks again for having me. It's a of lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on, helping me out a little bit. Maybe we'll see you next week on uh, next Wednesday. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's starting to be a trend, you know. I get the text in the morning. <laughs> I'm to rock hey, and roll. I gave you, I gave you an extra day in advance. I know, I know. I appreciate it. Don't worry, Brock will be returning shortly, but we'll still have you on for some MLB segments throughout the summer. I appreciate it. Of course, man. And um, yeah, for me, you know. Draft is over, so we've got just kind of off-season news to to deal with with the NFL. Maybe we'll start seeing a little bit of college football stuff. Maybe a little bit of preview stuff with the college football with Brock returning. Definitely got to talk college. And then with the MLB, like I said earlier, we're kind of entering the dog days of the summer, man. It just doesn't stop, and um, we're not going to stop either. So make sure you're following on all socials. Make sure you're liking, make sure you're subscribing on YouTube, make sure you're following us on the podcast platforms, make sure you're giving us five stars, everything like that. And um, I think that's going to do it for us, Colin. Yes, sir. All right. I'll catch y'all on Friday. Colin, I'll catch y'all next week, hopefully. Peace. Peace.